Welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kurt Kinsey, and I <laughs> I am currently losing it because Josh Cacho, my co-host, just showed up on video. I'm, I have tears coming out of my eyes right now. <laughs> he just showed up with his upside-down LAFC hat. Josh, take this away from me because I can't even talk right now. I mean, it, it's the state of the union, right? Like, you know, when, when, the, when the country's <laughs> at threat, you fly that flag upside down, and that's basically where we're at today. So oh my after, after a game like this, you can't be you can't be dropping points at home to Vancouver, especially so, after yeah. losing the, your Portland game the way you did. I saw Josh tweet this picture of a hat that up an LFC hat with an upside down LA on it, and that was before the game. I'm literally in tears right now. Um, and I thought he had photoshopped something. I was like, oh, Josh, going a little bit cynical there. Little did I know that he, he actually ordered this thing. He paid money for it and is now wearing it on the show. I, I mean, let's be real. I'm lost. Think, I'm, I'm, I, I'm wearing this upside down one until we actually start looking looking better. Because <laughs> at this point, this is about what we deserve at this right now. I mean, I, I understand uh, as a Cleveland Browns fan. um, and this is like the equivalent of the brown paper bag, right? I was going to say, at least I just flipped the logo. You guys just put a, <laughs> your lunch bag over your head. <laughs> because it saves Not money. You don't have to spend just whatever you, whatever you packed for lunch and, and said, yeah. you know, I had to actually spend some money for this thing. Yeah. All right. So I apologize. We normally jump right into things. I don't like podcasts that beat around the bush at the beginning and talk about the weather or whatever. Um, but Welcome to the Counter Press. We are going to talk about the 2-2 draw to Vancouver at home uh, with what was an interesting starting 11, to say the least, uh, both by who was included and who was excluded. Um, some really poor defending on another set piece, surprise, surprise. And also from a back three, surprise, surprise. So Josh, why don't you take it away here? I mean, I think some of these defensive lapses are things that have been uh, that have been covered up to a certain degree, but we've been able to weather the storm, right? Whether it be with Segura's goal line goal line clearance or just a couple of just you know just getting lucky, or maybe you know in the case of what is it the some of these other teams we're playing just being not that not that good, right? But we haven't we've yet to be punished for some of the mistakes we've made out of that back three. You know, as a with actually no, let's take that back. Like the first games that we started to see it, right? Those mistakes are coming back, right? Like the weird clearances from the back, you know, in the Galaxy game. You had that one um what was it? Um Blackman and was it the, like the weird, like a short pass back that it was just a bad played ball a few games back um, that, you know, or maybe I'm just getting like, confused with the beginning of that Mexico USA game. I, I don't remember but this one, but I, I mean, black men no, I think I'm, sent I think I'm getting from a back three, right? Like yeah, I think SKC. I'm getting confused with the, um, with the Mark McKenzie back pass mm, yeah. right, where it just falls short. Yeah. But, you know, you, you see some of these, you know, you see the mistakes building but again, the team had yet to pay for it truly. And obviously the last game, you know, the Portland game, even though, you know, we lose 2-1 there, you know, you're comforted by the fact that they controlled the majority of the game. Everything kind of looked, you know, 
nothing looked terrible except for, like I said, execution at the beginning and the end, right? And that that's more of a mentality thing rather than I think a tactical tactical issue. When you look at this game, right, it just felt like everything was wrong, right? And again, you're you're playing what a bunch of day. You're playing basically every three days at this point, right? Yeah. For the next for this this weekend and or this past weekend and this upcoming week as well and so right you're you knew there was going to be some rotation you knew that these things were going to happen but again that was why we sacrificed the portland game right was you bring those guys off because you're you're going for three points at home um in that moment but to give up two goals early in the game right you know like that's not good right and i said it and you know, again, while, while it may be a bit cynical, this is where I'm at right now in terms of the way that this team is performing. Um, yeah. Because I think they've patched work together, this 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, however you want to describe it, to make it work for the time being. But I don't, but again, I think in the long run, given the personnel and the roster build, it's not sustainable. So um, I think I think the know, book is forward. out now on our 3-5-2. I, I truly do. And it's because of what specifically Vancouver did tonight. I, I'd have to go back and watch, but uh, it's pretty obvious. We'll get into that. I do want to touch on the starting 11 uh, real quick, and then we'll get into like what what Vancouver did here. Um, my biggest problem with this lineup, Josh, is you have five defenders on the field, and two of them are playing in position. You have Mario and you have uh, Moon. Those are the only two. Blackman is not a center back. We've talked about this. Uh, maybe, maybe he can transition there, but he's he's still not yet. Um, so he's playing out of position. Farfan is playing out of position, and Raheem Edwards is not a wing back. Now I know that he's gotten a lot of fanfare because he's done up a couple guys, but you saw him just crash into the ceiling today. Um, where and I also th- I also haven't seen them play him further up the field where he kind of sets up as a left winger from the drop. Um, it seems like he's been playing more as a wing back the past couple games. And again, you've seen him crash into the ceiling, into his own ceiling there. Um, so for me, that's that's the biggest problem is, again, if you're going to play five defenders, you may as well play them in position. The last part would be no Eddie Segura. So I suppose you're still rotating the squad, which had dire consequences against Portland earlier in the week. You rotated Segura out, and your back line is in absolute shambles as a result of trying to plug in guys that don't play those positions. Um, Midfield was okay, but got tactically beaten by Vancouver. Um, Front two, I don't think Rossi had a great game. I think... Uh, he tried to do everything himself, even though Portland was sitting back and he was, you know, trying to run at players. And that's not his game. We know what his game is. It's to run in behind, right? He's not. He's not going to beat guys off the dribble. He's not going to pass his way around people. He is a straight line guy, um, and he's really good at it. But it makes it a little tough to do when you're starting as a, as a like one of two strikers. So. Again, the lineup for me is is a problem, and I do wonder if the if the three five two has been uh, has run its course already. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, especially against a team like Vancouver, right? Vancouver, you know, is 
you know, you're parking a bus against a bus that's been parked there for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. In, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, again, maybe you're, you're in a three, five, two with, with the, an attempt to get a little bit more wide and get a little bit more spacing. Right. But in this, in this case, right. Vancouver was set up for it. Right. Like you kind of look at the way that they were set up and they are the ones that had, you know, that felt like they had numbers in, you know, that they're the ones who had numbers, you know, in defense when we're pushing forward again, you know, they're, yeah. and they're in a four, three, three, I think is how they set up today. Yes. Right. But yes. W- was it truly a four three three, or were there two? Sometimes it's a four five one in defense. So, like you said, sometimes yeah. it's definitely parking the bus in terms of like we're just going to bring in those wingers and they're going to they're going to create. And it was like a flat five in the midfield, just like daring them try mm-hmm. to get a, try to get around us. You're not going to be able to get yeah. around us. You know, and the thing was, it's like the way you know the way that you usually are able to sew that you know pull that apart, right? Is the Ford your your central striker has to be able to drop in. Right, pull someone out of position, and then you move it left to right. Well, when you're playing in a two, everyone just kind you know, that whole middle of the, the field just stays kind of stagnant, mm. right? Is kind of how I felt there, right? Where you're not getting that vertical movement. You're really just trying to hit a ball over the top, right? But they're not going to let, give you that. Yeah, and I think you need right? more vertical movement out of the back too. Like you got to have Farfan and, and, and Tristan a little bit more willing to step centrally forward to draw out one of those one of those wingers or one of the midfielders to try and draw somebody out of the midfield. But uh, yeah, because they're playing, they're playing four back. To, I mean, they're basically playing four center backs across the back line right? yeah, because their center, compact. their, their fullbacks were not moving at all. Yeah. Right. Comparatively to the way that we expect our, our center backs, I mean, yeah. our, our wing backs to push up, you know, in attack. So, you know, and then the way that their, their front three was working, right. They're, they're basically, you're, you're at three on three. I think Keith Pierce pointed out, in the broadcast, right? You're, you're three on three, but then when you send that extra runner, now you're a man down yeah. Right? because yep. that, you know, cause you're having to send, you know, you're having to send, um, Sifu right into the press. But now yeah. at that point, when Sifu pushes forward, you're a man down the midfield and it's, it, again, it was like clockwork, right? They could spread yeah. us, they could spread you thin and then hit over. And then that's where they got, you know, they were able to get their chances in the first half. So this is kind of what I want to talk about is you did see Sifu stepping out to the wings, especially to help press, because again, you're very narrow up top with just those two. And I thought Vela and, and Rossi did great in terms of like effort in pressing today. And you'd see Sifu kind of fill in wherever they weren't. Um, but when that would happen, now you're, now you only have two in the midfield, right? And when you have your wing backs way back and you're, and you're playing with tentative center backs, because again, your left and your right center backs are not center backs. So they're tentative, right? Blackman and Farfan, um, they're hanging back. So now you have Atuesta and uh, and Blessing just hung out to dry against their three midfielders. Like you're going to get dominated in a professional league if you're trying to play three on two in the midfield. Um, the other thing that they did well is they would recycle and recycle and recycle until our wingbacks committed. And you see this in the goal. I went back and, and got pictures of it actually. Uh, so it starts with a set piece like a in their own half and they just recycle possession all the way to the keeper comes back out, goes back to a center back and you see the left back. I don't know who it is. I don't know his name, but you see the left back wave his arm. He's he keeps like every time they pass, he keeps looking over his shoulder 
for Moon. And at this point, Edwards has already committed, by the way, on the opposite side. And it's just Moon. And as soon, I mean, as soon as Moon comes into frame, you see him start waving his arms. Obviously, he's not waving for the ball because here comes his his man to mark him, right? He's signaling the rest of the team, okay, now's the time. Because now they have their three, their their front line of three one-on-one against our back three, right? And that's when the keeper launches the ball up to their center forward. Mario loses the challenge, kind of pops back into the midfield. Atuesta actually wins this ball and has it taken from him. But at this point, like we're still, we're still just one-on-one. And then Farfan steps up to try and cover and the ball goes into Sifu who gets spun around. Blackman has to step up and cover and, Again, you're you're one on one. So when you're one on one like that, if you have a mistake from Moon, like he has in the box trying to clear, it's over, right? That's that's why San Jose keeps getting beat. Because if you get beat one on one, it's over. That's that's the end of it. So that's a long <laughs> that's a long breakdown of that goal. But like you said, once they could draw Sifu out of the midfield and remove a body, a body, excuse me, and then once they commit our wing backs. Now they're one-on-one across there and all they have to do is send one midfielder and they're four on three every single time. So just bad. Well, it's bad tactically. Well, and it's the same thing that Portland did, right? Watch yeah. watch the, fir- the what Portland does, you know, throughout the majority of the game to kind of limit, you know, like LAFC's ability to take the ball, you know, to, you know, to, to basically break up their possession, right? You see them kind of just wait, 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 wait. And then you'll see Sifu commit to, to you. And you're the one who pointed out in the last pod, right? Where you see Sifu have to commit to the press, right? And yeah. And then next thing, and at that point, right now, now they have numbers. Steve right? Clark and, is and just with, sitting on the ball, waiting specifically mm-hmm. for Sifu to come and get him. Yeah. And then, and then at that point, right? It's five versus two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, again, these, these two teams, both Portland and Vancouver, are not going to push their fullbacks high up the pitch. Right, yeah. intentionally, right? Like they they play basically a, 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 a set back four, right? And then their width is provided from their midfield rather than rather than their fullbacks. Yeah, right. So yeah. in in the in both of these cases, right, those guys though that back four is just sitting spread out, right? So now you have your two of Vela and Rossi, right, against a back four. In again, when you're so then you have to send Sifu to get some pressure. Once Sifu commits to the to the to the keeper, then that ball over you know is is played to overtake the uh, to bypass the forward line, right? Yeah. And then you have basically like I said a five on two mm-hmm. break, you know, and that's yeah, how they're going to create the again from chances. from Marto Santos. I mean, he he played it perfectly, uh, in, especially in that first half before Bob made all those changes. To Bob's credit, um, like the way that they use their fullbacks to engage the wingbacks was was a stroke of genius like that's that's it really isolated uh the poor defenders that were filling in so again not sure why it's not eddie segura uh back there to start if it is a rest thing then okay i get it but man if if you don't if you don't have eddie segura there i i want nothing to do with this back three um just because like who 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 are you supposed to trust back there other than Mario in the in those positions? Well, and the thing is I feel like at that point also 
you don't. I feel like Segura is the one that marshals that back line when yeah. he's you know that yeah. back three, right? It's not Mario because he's playing more of that sweeper position anyways, right? You have Segura that I think on that left hand on usually left-hand that right hand side, yeah. side, right? Well, no, you've been playing the right. In black he has been position. playing the right. So if it's Farfan in, then yeah, he plays on the he plays on the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's the one that hangs back a little bit longer to kind of make sure that the line is set and you know everything is there. With him out, I don't think you have that anyone there that's controlling what they're doing. But I, you know, you probably don't anticipate Vancouver to have like the the perfect counter to the five three two, right? In the sense that you know again, or maybe yeah. you should have because you saw what Portland did to you the day before or the yep. game before, you know, where they're where you're able to now draw one of the midfielders forward and then now create problems. Yeah. And, you know, again, because you're pushed up into essentially when LAFC is in possession, right? You are in a front four with Sifu crashing late. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's mm-hmm. Vela, Rosie up top through the middle. You have the width provided by Edwards and, and Moon. And then Sifu is the late run, the late arriver into the box, generally speaking. Yeah. Right? The other thing and, that this does, go ahead, go ahead. No, and it's not like blessing is positionally, you know. Um, right. That's the word I'm looking for. Like Sound. He's not. He's not Committed. one to be to be. You know. Yeah. To to have that positional sense nailed yeah. down. You know. Oh, positional awareness. Right. He's not. Yeah. He's not that guy. Right. Like you let him float for a reason. You know. In the fort because you have two guys that are going to be at home when they need to be. Right? Yeah. And so when he's now has to be one of those guys who's at home. You know, now he's, he's basically just at Twesta trying to, and, and again, at Twesta is also not a guy that's going to break up play mm-hmm. either, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen him get run by time after time. Look at Seattle in the playoffs. Yeah. With the weakest tack attempt at a tackle I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So. So the other thing that this does when they kind of draw you out of position like that is when you do, when you do turn over the ball and then you're recycling to your keeper, it takes a while for everybody to recover. And what you see is Thomas Romero, Tomas Romero, excuse me, um, having to play balls long because there's nobody coming back in the midfield to to work as that pivot. So you see the ball get sent back to to Romero and the back line, the, the back three, will kind of spread out a lot in a line. Uh, you'll see the wing backs drop in a little bit, but it takes a long time for Atuesta and Sifu well, Atuesta and, and Blessing in this case, really, to come back. And so by that time, their counterpress has already landed. And so Romero's just clearing the ball long. So their ability to pull LAFC out of position really did a number, um, both in possession and then like when Vancouver was in possession and then when they were working on counterpressing after having lost the ball. Um, so, I mean, LAFC just got beat tactically in that first half um they were able to bring it back who played the ball in for vela do you remember was it sifu from deep or was that atuesta it was atuesta okay i mean it's a great ball it definitely was close on on first look and then once you see the replay it's clear that he's on and and rosie's Rosie's off off. great right-footed shot side netting type of i mean it was beautifully handled from from vela um Handled is probably the wrong term. I should not use the word handled. Uh, beautifully taken from Bela, I should say. Um, so they drop back, you know, within one before half. And you kind of feel like, okay, okay, maybe we can do this. They come out of the half 
and they've made four subs and Bob has gone back to the four, three, three, you have blessing or yeah. Blessing Blackman Farfan and Edwards all out. And now you have Barrett at center forward. You have Palacios at left back. You have Segura at left center back. And now Janela has come in as generic box-to-box midfielder. And I thought Janela had a good game tonight. Um, he was all over the field, left, right, front, center, just all over the place. And I did feel like his ability to come back and help with distribution uh, helped to work through the the Vancouver press, at, at, especially at the beginning of the half. But anybody else, like any other impact subs that you saw? I mean, Segura, I, mean, I think, is, is definitely one, but... Yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest one, right? Just in terms of cleaning up the way, yeah. you know, some of the mistakes that were occurring on the back line, you know, but, you know, like, I think when when you see those guys, those four guys come in, right, the the responsibilities become clear, right? And the way that you know you're going to build up becomes that much more apparent against, you know, like, yeah. it, it just felt way smoother. I think you had a weird giveaway, you know, towards the top of the ball, but I think at that point you're just pressing, trying to get, uh, I think it was like in the 80, 50, 86 minute, there was a weird, you know, like a weird sequence where you give away an easy ball. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I think you're you're just pressing, trying to get forward and, and find another goal. But previous to that, right in that first, what, 10, 15 minutes of the second half, you really just see, you know, like I said, the patterns of play start to come back, right? You see that easy, you know, Romero, especially the way that he's been playing, right? He waits, lets lets that press come in now, right? And then with the two center backs, you know, with their press occupied by the two center backs, then he finds Atuesta in the middle of the park who can make that turn, right? Yeah. Then you see occasionally, like you were saying, Janelle come down and drop into a double pivot, right? For now, he has four options across that back line to make that mm-hmm. to make that next that next move, and so with with those options there now, right? You're now creating that you're now creating that your own advantages in the midfield. Cause then at that point you see Baird start to drop in, you see Vela start to drop in and then it springs that attack through the middle of the park. Right. Yeah. Again. Yeah. We don't, cause we just don't, we've never had that, that number 10 who can sew it together. Right. It's in the four, three, three, it's usually a winger, right. Who cuts inside and then creates underneath the top or you have the center forward, you know, and that if you have like a Bobby Firmino type or even a, um, Suarez or an Aguero, right? Who can who yeah. can do more on the ball, right? And then do do some things as they drop into space, and and then creating you know and can and can connect the the midfield and the front line, but yeah, I think it looked it definitely felt much in terms of possession. You, I felt like it automatically at that point the possession era swung wildly in LFC's favor, whereas yeah. it felt like it was still I think it was fifty one forty nine at the half, right? It was about fifty fifty possession, but I don't know. I, I've over the last since we've gone to the five thirty two. I've yet to feel like we've really controlled possession in any of the games that we've been yeah, featuring yeah. as as the main as the main you know starting point for them, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I, I felt like uh, Janela definitely helped a lot to maintain possession. One thing I noted is that he just plays a lot of square balls, like through pressure. So he'll like he will square a ball out to one of the fullbacks to kind of spring them down the wing where as you watch it, it's kind of like, at least I anticipate him. All right. He's going to turn and 
drive into into space. And that's one thing that we've criticized this midfield for not doing. So it's I think it's just one of those things that like I want to see so much. I'm like, all right, Janela, all right, half turn, drive, then then pass somewhere. But I mean, he's he's able to find space in between uh, in between defenders to just square balls off to the fullbacks and let them do the driving, which is fine. Um, and it's just it's a it almost seems like idiosyncratic when you watch Janela, just because he does play differently than we're used to seeing. Than we're used to seeing, and I don't know if he's the permanent answer still. Uh, I just I, I have no idea when I watch him still. But I mean, tonight I think he definitely helped. I think he's a compliment to Moon, right? So mm. the thing about mm. it is like, right, if you put like, for example, if you have Latif Blessing on the same side as Moon, right, his positional sense and awareness is not one to be able to compensate for what Moon does best. Yeah. Right? So it's it's Jordan Henderson at Liverpool. And again, I'm going to make another Liverpool reference because that's what I do on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But right, with when you look at the way that Liverpool over the last couple of years in in has evolved their their attack with the fullbacks as the primary creators, right? With uh, Trent Alexander Arnold and um, Andy Robertson, it's people used to hate Jordan Henderson because Jordan Henderson passes backwards and he passes sideways. He's yeah. not a guy that hits a ton of progressive balls into space, right? When when you're if you're not you know Tiago, if you're not Xavi, if you're not Iniesta, if you're not one of these guys who's going to, you know, who can, you know, who can thread the eye of a needle, you know, is it really worth just smashing the ball into a brick wall, right? Because we'll see that happen to Mark Anthony K time and time again, and that's what everyone gets would get super frustrated with, right? It's like he's yeah. asked to play a slip ball into traffic. What's the guy supposed to do, right? Whereas, preferably. I would rather have people do what, you know, either, either you take up the space, right, like Sifu does, mm. or you play that squared ball out to the out wide, and as that fullback pitches forward, you slide out, right, and you and you flatten out, yeah. and you basically just play cover underneath and, and, mm-hmm. and prevent anything from coming back the other way because what, you know, they, with what Vancouver was doing, that they're specifically targeting that, right? He says once the fullbacks commit either into the press or into the attack, if if possession is lost, they're automatically flipping the ball out over the top, you know, yeah. into that into that open space, and then one of the five midfielders, you know, Vancouver's five midfielders would pick it up and then push forward. Right, that's mm-hmm. that was their strategy for the majority of the first half, and so I think what Janela does that again because again, Blessing doesn't have the position is again, it's just not what his gift is, and Sifu's tasked to be, you know, because of the way that is. You know, he himself is pushing forward, right? Atuesta can only handle one side of that himself. I think it, what it does is it provides a little more and more that that balance. You know, it's like we. I think I talked about it. Was it last year when we were starting to see in the four three three those fullbacks push up super high and they were just people would just hit a diagonal ball into space and we'd be lost on the counter. Yeah, yeah. it was it was basically what the Galaxy did trying to find a. The heck is his name? Pavone on that left hand side, right? The mm. the fullback mm. would push up, and you just find Pavone there, and he's now, you know, driving. He's the one that drives the ball upfield, and so I think you see that. But that that play eliminated with Janelle's positioning there, because I think he said with him flattening on hitting that square ball and letting 
Moon do his thing, right? Like with the way that Moon's playing, would you? Why not let him? Great, of course, right? Like of you course. don't want him to pinch in. He's defensively, he's not that great, right? In terms of being able to pinch in and stop a ball the way that maybe a Beta Shore would do, or even a Tristan Blackman does when they're playing right back. So, you know, in in that moment, I think Janelle is the perfect midfield. That's why I think you see a little bit more of that balance occur, and you don't see Vancouver get nearly as much as many chances now getting out wide into that space there where when when they get when they we lose possession yeah um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they continue to use uh how they continue to use janela in the next couple weeks here i do think he can he can offer something he in a lot of ways he just seems like a circulator like uh he's just like running around making sure like taking a touch here a touch there keeping the ball moving, keeping himself rotating in and out. And that, again, that kind of rotation, that kind of, uh, it's just, it's just not something we see. I feel like with the standard Atuesta blessing and, and K midfield, it's just like K's on the left, blessings on the right and blessing and go all over the place. Sure. But nobody else is going to like, you're not going to see a whole lot of overlapping from K on the right side or anything like that, where Janela was just all over the place. So, uh, we can let that one go for now. Um, I do want to talk about. I guess Janela was involved in that in that first goal. I felt like they were, the team was ready to go fast. Janela puts his foot on the ball, kind of circulates it a little bit, and then Palacios puts in this this like bending curve, uh, and Sifu just murders the ball. I mean, it, such a well taken volley. Um, that was a delightful, delightful goal. So I think that was like the 75th minute that we got that one. It felt like it had been coming for a long time. Um, and that's what we have been calling for, right? Creation from the, from the fullbacks and finishing from the midfield. Uh, because you can't, you just can't only rely on your forwards. Like you have to have threats that don't line up at the seven, nine or 11. So, yeah, I mean, especially you have you kind of have to take what they give you, right? If if Vancouver is going to push numbers out wide, right, it's going to leave that that half space open for someone to yeah, to take yeah. up space, right? And I think Sifu's been doing, you know, like with the attention rightfully given to Rossi and Vela in the in the front two, as as they have been, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the second half, it changed up a little bit. So with the attention that they've been getting, the space now becomes. You know, like you said, you're you're just asking for someone to take it, right? And I think the one yeah. thing we've seen earlier in the season is, you know, Mark Anthony K guys like K not quite take it, right? And Sifu's mm-hmm. been all over, you know, seizing that opportunity, seizing that moment, taking that taking that ball, taking that touch, and just you know making things happen, right? Whereas I think we haven't, and again we those other two were more of a workman like field workman like midfield that I wish. Like I said, if you have K performing that Janela role in the second half, probably he's fine, right? Doing this, yeah. some of the same yeah. things. And maybe again, you don't get some of the the touch on the passing and some of these things that you get from Janela. But obviously, from a defensive standpoint, you're probably upgrading there more yeah. than anything with him coming back. Um, last thing I really wanted to talk about, Josh, was the set piece goal from Vancouver. Uh, they have a; it's on their left side of the field, kind of like right at the beginning of the attacking third. Uh, they they send in kind of a, an outswinging ball. And I tweeted out that I was 99% certain it was man marking. 
and I went back and watched it again and again and again. And it's zonal mark. It's just awful, awful zonal marking here. Uh, so they send in a ball. The first Vancouver Whitecap to jump fools Tristan Blackman. So Blackman kind of jumps behind him. Mario is lost. And Farfan isn't anywhere near where he needs to be to win the ball. So you have, your again, your three center backs uh, who you would think are the ones that you can trust in the situation are all just lost. Like just bet Tristan Blackman is playing a man. He's not looking at the ball. He's looking at his man. When he sees his man jump, he jumps behind, like away from the ball. Mario isn't playing the ball. He's playing a man. And he realizes that this guy that's next to him is going to get on the ball. And so he just puts in like this shove and Farfan is again, just kind of hanging out in the vicinity. Um, so I, I, I don't, I, I mean, another set piece goal where we just look so discombobulated in whatever we're trying to do to mark them. Again, we've talked about zonal and man marking and they both give up goals. Um, but I, I feel like we just need to point it out again, that we're still, we're still bleeding goals from set pieces like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm resistant to the Bob out crowd, but again, there's, there's gotta be something that's done on the training ground to, to fix some of these things. Like I said, it's like fool me once shame on me. Right. Fool me yeah. 37 more times, you know, over the last couple of years, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, how many stupid goals have we given off set pieces right over the last four seasons? Yeah. Three our seasons, own set pieces half seasons. the time, like giving up breakaways on our own corners. Like, I mean, I feel like the first year, all we talked about was Latif Blessing being a terrible safety valve on on our offensive corner. Because he tries to to one time a ball that's just randomly (laughs) hit in his direction, you know. And so, you know, whether whether it's a matter of just, you know, again, as if you just have to, is the focus to, you know, again, maybe in in this particular case because of the the changes, because of the what you're trying to do from a tactical perspective you don't leave time for it or whatever. But again, that's something that, again, the coaching staff has to quite to figure something out, right. Yeah. And yeah. figure out something that works again. I'm, I'm still not one that gets heavily on board. It's like, you have to man mark. And that's so much better because again, there's right. ways, you know, people will figure out a way, right? Like there's plenty of great that, teams out there that play great set piece defense and mm-hmm. they use zonal marking. So, yeah, I think part of it is probably personnel, right? We just don't have, the the size to really clear but again it's generally not you know like you said i you only continue to make excuses so much when again they've had plenty of opportunity to address us and still yet to figure something out yeah yeah all right should we get in some questions here josh you got anything else from this game no okay let me pull them up here i just lost it all right first one from Christopher Colonna at LAFC 2021. A question, it's a pretty broad one, but here it goes. What was it that Vancouver was doing offensively or defensively that threw LAFC off their game tonight? Or was tonight a case of LAFC just not being sharp and getting in their own way? Uh, I'll take a quick stab, but we kind of talked about this. So defensively, they were in this, you know, a 4-3-3, kind of like a, a flat midfield, oftentimes a 4-5-1. So clogging up both the wings for the wingbacks 
and you'd always have either a left or a right midfielder to go out and bottle up Velo or Rossi. So they were often double teamed if they got the ball like near near the Vancouver fullbacks. So there would be immediately another midfielder. This goes back to Seattle and the playoff game that we lost the first year. Uh, like that's how Seattle beat us is they would just lock down those wingers super early with both a fullback and a, and a midfielder. Offensively, we talked about how Sifu would step out of the out of the midfield to pressure, so they would invite the pressure right from the midfield. And as soon as he did, they would also, you know, they they'd start engaging our our wingbacks. Once the wingbacks were engaged, that ball goes right over the top, and it's three on three, sometimes four on three for Vancouver. Uh, and that's really it. And I mean, you have poor performances, but you also have guys putting really bad positions in terms of like if it's four on three guys are going to be looking silly for sure uh anything else to add there on that one josh no i mean i think in in many cases right we can look at individual play from certain guys and you know and i think like and and try to pick on the little things that they didn't do on a particular player whatever it may be this this game felt like it was lost from the, you know, like in terms of, you know, the points we dropped are, was by virtue of the coaching staff, I think either, you know, not being prepared for what, what Vancouver yeah. was going to do and, you know, and or not having seen what Portland did to adjust to the five three two and then not, you know, not having a contingency should that same thing occur again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so in, in the event that Portland starts to, you know, that Portland, but that Vancouver, you know, that you see LAFC, you know, building up in those specific ways, or you see Port, um, Portland and or, um, and Vancouver, at, you know, trying to pull in, pull Sifu out of the midfield, those types of things, right? What was your adjustment, right? Did you, did you flatten out? Did you make sure that the fullbacks didn't commit nearly as hard, right? Because the fullbacks just sit at a regular depth there. You're probably mm-hmm. fine, right? Like, you know, or, you know, or do you, you know, defensively, do you go into a more, into a four three three shape, right, or a flat four four two, and just try to be difficult to play through, yeah. right? as opposed yeah. to, you know, again being in, you know, what a th- a three, you know, three two four in possession, hmm. Hmm. right, three three four. I think you're missing one, yeah. It's three three four, but then you have that late runner from the midfield, which essentially makes it a four two yeah. five, yeah. right? And then you're just getting caught. So again, like I th- in, in this case, I feel like this this one is definitely more on the coaching staff than I think that than yeah, other games than where we can put out individual things that you know that be, that were problematic in terms of what what led to this loss. Well, I think you see it too. Like again, to Bob's credit, he comes out and it's four changes, right? They're like this kind of change isn't even isn't even a like you. It's not possible. Eighteen months ago, um, he comes out with four changes at the half, changes the formation, and they they look much better and end up being able to equalize. Uh, the the unfortunate thing is, it's really tough to come back from two nothing and win. Like you can, sure you can score two goals, but scoring three after somebody's already scored two is not an easy feat. Um, well, and especially when you're there on the road, right? And they're yeah, they don't even they're they, fine with there the is, Yeah, yeah. At that point, their willingness to really even step out once you've taken a one goal lead was probably 
pretty low, yeah. you know. And so once they got that first one, you're not going to get much from, you know, they get a second one on the set piece. And so then obviously the dynamic changes even more so. So, yeah, yeah I like to yeah. said, I think, you know, you've got, you got to come up with something. You know, I think we saw it, but, you know, you have to wonder where, why, why were no adjustments made until half? You know, like I said, it doesn't mean that you have to change personnel in the, in the beginning of the first half, but it's, you know, okay, can we, can we push Segura into the midfield or, you know, Farfan into the, you know, whatever it yeah. may be. Yeah. Right. Like go into a four through three with, with moon at right wing, you know, or something along yeah. that line. You know, there's, there's things to have been I, done I, there. Honestly, if that would, if that was the move, I would have been like, fine. Keep, yeah. Black minute right back and, and moon mm-hmm. on the right wing with Vela through the middle. So they can still like Vela and moon can still combine fine, whatever. But oh. I think we should talk about that real quick too. I know we're into questions here, but man, Corey Baird was so brutal tonight, dude. Just, so brutal at center forward and like that's the like all i could think about was man christian arango needs to get here right now and just get subbed in because he can't hold up he's not like he's dropping into midfield too much so vela and rossi are coming central and being bottled up by the back four so i mean that was that was brutal to watch from him for about 35 straight minutes yeah i mean i thought I thought that with the way that he played, because you know, I've seen him play for RSL and some of the things that he do, that he did, right? And I thought you know, he could be a good guy to be able to figure that out and play that more of that Firmino role that kind of steps in and is more of like a, yeah. a pressing forward than he is actually anything else. Um, but again, like his his talk about positional sense and his ability to know where where he needs to be at a specific time. Everything feels a step late. Right and so and, yeah, and a, step late in the brick wall of a touch, like oh, just bad. Yeah, like you're, you know, like and to have given up what you did for him again hurts a little bit there too, in terms yeah. of like, yeah, it comes back to okay, what, what, what was the front office doing in terms of trying to save money at that point or save face, given you know their inability to move Rossi, deal yeah. with Rodriguez, yeah. you know, in a sound way. You know, and again, and like my question is like at that point, like, okay, we've we've kind of seen what Bears are given, you know, and is Rodriguez that far out of favor at this point, or you know, do you not trust him enough to say? It's a good you know, question. To, to give you even question. just slightly more than what you are you're getting, because yeah. again, we've, you know, yeah, we were the start of the season was a little bit promising because you know Baird scored what three, two, three goals already mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. couple of games. But since then, has just dropped off the face of the planet, right? He'll never yeah. teach you of effort, but he's definitely short of talent. I think he's trying to do too much. I, I really think that's it. And I think, again, I, I I still don't hate the signing. I think if he's your fourth fit or fifth attacker, you're okay. But yeah, the, the idea that he's playing ahead of B-Rod is bizarre. I'm sure he will not be playing ahead of Arango when he gets here, but man... I think oddly enough, Verhalter had him pegged right. Verhalter, back in the very beginning of the Verhalter days, played him in those like that line hugging wing role. Like he used both Jonathan Lewis and Corey Baird in this way, where he just sit them on the touchline. <laughs> I mean, it was it was almost as if you stood them on the touchline and said, "Don't leave this line. Like you're just there to create width, and that's it." Uh, because man, in the middle of the field, he's kind of lost. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, somber Amarath at somber Amarath. I've said it once and I'll say it again. No one fears us. The entire league thinks they can punk us and it shows. 
We need to learn to bully the game and shoot from six yards out instead of taking an extra touch. Um, Josh? Yeah, I mean, you can see what happens when we actually take chances and that's Sifu hitting that beauty on, you know, on, on his goal there. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the more long range shot, you know, obviously it's, it's, is it the beautiful football or whatever you want to call it, you know, total football that you, we've gotten accustomed to seeing? No, but given the, the personnel that we have and some of the things that we've seen, right. Every now and then you just got to keep people honest. And I think that's what it does more than anything, right? It's just, Every now and then, you just got to let it fly just to let them know that the threat is there. But if it's not yeah. there, then you become predictable. And I think that's what they had relatively become, right? It's more more predictable and less, you know, and as opposed to it just not coming, kind of coming off. Like I said, I think yeah. you just know what to expect from them more than anything. Mm-hmm. Next one, the shoe at Paul T. Greco. Lots of empty seats tonight. COVID, Olympics, or has the bloom come off of the black and gold rose? Um, I did notice some empty seats. I don't, if I, if I remember correctly, there was a mask mandate reinstated at the, at the bank, right? Do I have that right? I believe so. Um, so, and you know, Los Angeles County, I know put out some guidance about, uh, everybody masking back up indoors and everything. So you could have some people that are, uh, a little bit concerned about coming out and it's understandable. I would probably say COVID. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, uh, LAFC has run its course. I think there's still plenty of support. Granted, I don't live in LA anymore, but um, my sense is that if this is just still, you know, we're trying to come out of this whole thing. So anything on your end there? Uh, I think you probably got that one spot on. Okay. Uh, Jesus Manriquez at Jesu2198. This team hasn't improved at all in more than a year. I've said it once before and I'll say it again. Bradley needs to go. The team needs a fresh start, new ideas, new energy. There are also a lot of very average, to not say scrubs, on the team. Oof. Tell us how you really feel. So Bradley needs to go. Are you in or out on Bob Bob Bradley right now, Josh? I'm not a huge fan. I mean, we talked about this before. I'm not a big fan of midseason coaching changes unless they've completely lost the locker room because I don't think it really is beneficial. You're not going to get anyone at this point that's really going to upgrade things, right? Like unless unless Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola just say they want to come and, you know, see a Bradley, you know, if if that's the case. If one of the top managers in the world is going to come and change your fortunes. But even then, right, we've seen guys that come in, you know, you know, like really the only person that comes in midseason and really ever does anything of note is Sam Allardyce because he just keeps mm. you from getting relegated, right? But just about <laughs> everyone else, right, is generally mostly bluster and, you know, less less substance yeah. than we would you would probably think, yeah. right? Um, um, but I, what, yeah. what I will say about that is, you know, he, he did he make a mistake? Absolutely. Like the, the lineup that he threw out there and the tactics that he went with got blown out of the water by his former assistant. Uh, and then he changed it up and came because of those changes was able to come away with some sort of result, even though it's not great. Um, so, I mean, he's still, he's still an adept manager. And like you said, I think the team's still playing for him. So uh, hard to imagine. Um giving him the axe right now but 
I mean, are there warts? Yeah, of course there are. Uh, are we ever going to be uh, like a a good set piece defending team? I don't think so. I <laughs> I've given up on that. All right, next question here, Christopher Colonna again, LAFC twenty twenty one. Yeah, sure, it's a drop, but this but man, this team needs a lot of work. If they do somehow manage to make the playoffs this year, they're out in the first round. You heard it here first. Overall, this is a tough one to watch. One of the few positives on the evening that was that Sifu goal. Nice strike, nice technique. One more thing. We let a good opportunity to close uh, some ground on t- on the team at the, high, at the top of the Western Conference. Slipped through our fingers tonight. Carson lost earlier, as did Colorado. Um, Josh, how are you feeling about the overall state and potential for playoff first-round exits? I'm wearing a hat with an upside-down logo, so that should basically <laughs> tell you all that I that I think in this yeah. case. I mean, obviously, I think there's... I think the the biggest issue, you know, like in in one of the previous questions, right? They talked about like, you know, we have a lot of it feels like average, average players filling roster spots, right? Mm-hmm. But you're paying them tam money, yeah, right. Like, and if you don't hit on these signings, you're going to be put in a bad situation, right? It's like, you know, like how often do you see in every other sport across the world you sign a free agent that doesn't hit and it puts you in a bad spot. Yeah. Especially, especially in salary cap leagues, right? Missing, missing on a guy that that gets paid more, you know, than above average is a big problem. Yeah, right? it doesn't necessarily mean that you know, like, because you can have like you said your LeBrons, or you can have your top earners, your Carlos Velas, you know, whatever it may be, and they're gonna do a fair amount for you. But if you miss on that mid level guy, that's a huge problem. Which is why. Yeah. Guys like Mark Anthony K are so valuable to the team because you're not paying them mid-level, you know, like a, you're not paying him for what his production is, right? Mm-hmm. You're paying him, you know, he's producing above his salary. Yeah. Right. Or a guy but like, you, I mean, Tristan Blackman, Marco Farfan, uh, guys on small numbers that aren't even hitting the salary cap uh, because I think they're technically homegrown players or something like that or whatever the roster mechanism, whatever the roster mechanism is. Uh, Whereas a guy like Moon has to be producing. If you're going to be a good team, he has to be producing. Uh, and as we've talked about so often, uh, you have guys like Cifuentes and uh, Janela, Palacios. All these guys are on big money for the league. So if you miss on them, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, and at this point, right? What like I would say, Palacios is probably average. You know, was above average has probably come back to the mean and has produced slightly under this particular yeah, season. Yeah. Sifu's playing what his contract worth, if not more, right? Janelle is right definitely now, under. at the beginning of the season, he wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, and right now, but then, yeah, and you have Janela who's definitely playing under what we're paying, you know, yeah. his, his value is under with, under what we're paying him. And then on top of that, right, you have, um, a, you know, a third DP that's burning a hole in your pocket. You can't even at this point. Can't even get him on the field, apparently. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. you know, again, it's a huge problem in terms of how you build the team and the yeah. way, the way that the you know the the gam the MLS funny money works. Right, you get a lot more in the beginning of the season, you know, the beginning of your franchise, which is why you're able to bring in a bunch of these veteran guys. Yeah, but if you don't pay them in the long run because you're trying to swing big on some of these speculative speculative settings, again, you see, you know, like 
like for example, like a guy like Betashore, right? The ceiling is not is not the same as a Kim Moon one, right? Mm-hmm. But the floor is definitely yeah, you know, a lot higher, right? In terms of what well, you're gonna get, right? It's interesting too, because if you look at like the talk of MLS this week has been Seattle playing their five like fifteen year old kids out there. But like that's what you can do. Like in this league, if you if you hit on those big so like let's say your three DPs and your three big TAM signings. If you have six guys out there, for example, that are legit and are going to produce in this league, you can pepper in youth and you're still going to be okay in this league because every team is under that same crunch. Every team is going to miss on a bunch of players. But for Garth Lagerway, who apparently does not miss on players anymore, um, you can start... Like you can just you can field these teams that are good no matter how many guys you have to rotate, it seems. So all right. Next one here is from Mike Beats at Beats. Does Rossi think he is a better passer than he is? I'll let you take a stab at that one. I'd say probably. I mean if yeah. If if but I think you have to be to be Rossi trying to get this move, right? Like yeah. You, you have to show your skill, you know, like, you know, is Rossi going to come in and be, you know, beat out any of the top wingers in, in the Premier League? No. Right. So you've got to show that you're dynamic in some sort of way. Right. Yeah. Whether that's his ability to cut inside, do these different things. Seems like he's pressing, you know, at times he's pressing a little bit. Definitely. You know, a little bit too much. Definitely. You know, forcing passes and, so, and forcing like 1v1 duels tonight. Yeah, and that's the kind of the story of the night, right? It was a lot of like, you get, you get, you have one pass to get out of trouble, and then the second pass puts you right back into it again. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like, you know, no matter what some of these guys in the back line did, someone in the front or in the midfield was going to make a mistake that was going yeah. to put you in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like times. You know, as much as we want to harp on the defense and give them, you know, the majority of the blame, you know, like Raheem Edwards didn't do any favors when you you hit him up the sideline. And then he dribbles straight into a person. They take it off him, and then now you're you're down a man as they as they transition back the other way. Yeah. All right. Last one is from Trevor Rayleigh. Uh, I think Josh's handle is at Easy Peasy Japanese. So there you go. There's the handle. Uh, the GIF is fire sale everything. Um, I don't know if we need to fire sale everything. Uh, I think. We just kind of went through some of the roster uh, misses and and issues, uh, and those certainly need to be resolved. I think Christian Arango patches over some of this stuff, but there are longer-term problems here, like your three South American TAM signings that are all young and kind of underproducing. Again, Sifu's kind of picked it up, but at this point, Palacios and, and Janela are, are underproducing. Not to say that they can't fix that, but at the current time they are, and you have a DP that's underproducing. So um, you have Edward Atuesta who can he negotiate a pre-contract in January or is it only next transfer window, like next summer? No, I think it's when he's entering his, it's starting the next season, the next fiscal season. So I believe, yeah. So if you don't sell him on now, then you risk losing you on a free. So technically March, whatever, whenever the, the MLS season starts next year is when he can go out and negotiate mm-hmm. a free contract. So, but, he's, but I believe he signed through the f- 
through December of 2022. Oh, so till the end of that season then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he can, he can, he's, he's able to negotiate a contract, but then he's technically stuck at LAFC until then. Okay. Man, that is a ticking time bomb. And Gianluca Busio just got 10 and a half million. So it's kind of like, man, how much, how much is Atuesta worth if Busio is going for that? I mean, yeah, everybody will say, oh, he's got an Italian passport and he's younger, but man. You would think you could get a better offer for Fratuesta, unless it really is like people don't trust LAFC still overseas. That I don't know if that's an actual thing or if that's just made up in my head. But hmm. yeah, I mean it, it's it's Ian, you're put in a weird spot and you're put in a tough spot in terms of how this thing is all all coming together. Um, but I, I mean, again, I mean that's that's what you're paid to do, right? And if you can't figure yeah. that out, then you know what what's the point of you being there? at that yeah. point because again like these the lack the lack of movement is what to be fair i think is what's is holding back the team dramatically right and, yeah and i think the one thing that you know like you know and you don't have a you don't have an academy system the way that seattle does that's able to come in and support it and do some of those things. right right in the meantime it's not developed enough and you don't have enough of those guys in there that can step in and play exactly the same way and not mm-hmm. have a huge drop off, right? You really see it fall off a cliff when you when you go from one guy to the next. It does make you wonder too. Like, I mean, obviously, other teams and and, and clubs across you know, overseas are going to be smart. They can they can certainly scout effectively uh, in MLS. But it does make me wonder when you look at a team like Dallas, who sold on McKenney, I think for three million, if I remember correctly. I might I could be I could be off. It wasn't a whole lot between three and five million, um, and then he moves on to Juve and starts tearing it up there. And so now he's you know Juve buy him out for like I don't know twenty five to thirty million. So only after that though do you see okay, well let's go get Reggie Cannon, and he went for three million, and then Brian Reynolds goes and he's only like seventeen because Reggie Cannon goes to Boa Vista and he plays pretty well. And then Roma are like, all right, well, apparently you can get a right back from FC Dallas and it'll be okay. And now Justin Che is about to move to Germany. So it's kind of like, do they do they need to just take a bath on one of these guys and and just to like open the gates and get somebody over there? Or are they really waiting for, well, Miguel Amiron got 25 million or whatever it was, so we're gonna wait. Like, do you think Newcastle is gonna go buy gonna go back to Atlanta and buy another $25 million player? No. Because Almiron doesn't look like he's worth that price tag. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, also Ezekiel Barco is bad. So yeah, you know, like, yeah. I don't know what you're buying. I'm not sure what you're buying from Atlanta, um, yep. considering yep. They, the debacle that has been happening over there. But beside the point, um, yeah, I mean, it it given like my thing with Atuesta, it's like given what you paid for him, which was under a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, I think you take you think take anything over five. Yeah, right? he's probably yeah. worth twenty. He's probably worth fifteen. I think is ten to fifteen is probably a is right. what I would say the market value is. What you're likely to get is somewhere between you know, like what a, at this point, smart money probably gets seven to twelve before you don't get anything. Right? And you yeah, I mean, you, the, you could you could look at it like this: like if you're if you're 
big club and you want Atuesta. And LAFC is saying he's worth 15. Like, is it worth the risk to just sign him for free? Like, in in your mind as whatever director for, let's say, I don't know, Valencia. And you look at Atuesta and you say, I can pay 15 now or I can risk it and pay nothing next March from next whenever it is. And if I miss out on him, well, I'll, I'll go find somebody else for seven or eight million that'll probably do a similar job. Like, is that is that crazy of me to say? No, man, because I think central midfield is one of those positions that I think that, you know, like they're not a dime a dozen, but you can find a lot of guys that do what he does. Yeah. Right. You know, like, you know, especially because we, I think we've seen some of his limitations and some of the things that he's not nearly as good at, um, you know, when he's, you know, pushed far further up the field. Right. And so, yeah, yeah you know, so I think it at more questions have been asked. Um, you know, some of the luster and the shine has come off a little bit. I still think he's in a great player. I still think he's probably worth somewhere between 12 and 15, yeah. you know, but you know, at the, I, I think, you know, to make a stock market reference, right. It's like you have to have an entry point and an exit point. And it didn't seem like we truly have yeah. a, any of those for any of our investments no. thus far. No. Right. But the worst thing that we can do to go back to, you know, Trevor's meme that he posted Right. Is, you know, like you really only lose if you sell low. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, or again, I guess like the equivalent with him be running out, working out a contract. So, again, that's your option contracts. But again, let's let's go get off mm-hmm. the financial literacy um, thing. But, you know, again, I think in that case, right, let's like, you know, what what's what was your original plan in terms of your investment? What did you expect to get from Atuesta? You know, like if you because you have to think signing a guy that age, if, if he, there's a chance that he's going to go, he's going to want to leave. And so if you, you can't get greedy at that point, right. You have to be able to say, okay, I can take, I'm okay. Taking seven. I'm okay. Taking eight. Yeah. Or I'm okay. Yeah. Taking this amount because you know, again, like what did you, you know, you're, you're playing with house money, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing. If you're dealing with a DP or someone that you paid $10 million for and now he's worth half yeah. of that or whatever it may yeah. be right because at that point like you're just trying to recoup something um and then move on to the next one right? because you're going to get an influx of cash again you know but again yeah like, right again we, at the end of the day these are all businesses that are you know, that are basically playing the stock market of of free agency and 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 transfer in the transfer market so again i think the analogy holds pretty clear it's just a matter of you know again you got to know when to hold them and then when to fold them you're right, right. All right, on that, we will leave it. Thank you for listening. We will speak to you after the next match. I, don't, I haven't even looked at the schedule, to be honest with you, Josh. It's uh, probably Wednesday. So whenever that match is, we'll be back to talk about whoever they play. Uh, that's great. That's great podcasting right there, let me tell you. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore Josh. LAT Josh on Twitter. You can follow me at Kirkinsey. Uh, Josh, one more thing. Tell them where they can find your hat. Um, go on Etsy and just ask one of the people that are making upside down Dodgers hat to make one with an LFC logo. And then they'll give you this, either that, or I'm going to start putting state of the union LFC hats on sale on Etsy for an all extremely right. marked up price. There you go. We will talk to you le- next time. Thank you all for listening. Good night. Good night.